This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. Well, were we in week four of our series of messages entitled uh, New Things, New Things. Um, And again, this is not so much a title as it is a declaration, as as it is an expectation for 2017. I can't tell you uh, how big, how huge this expectation is on the inside of me concerning new things for 2017. If you've been here all month long, you know I've just been going crazy and and just been, been, just couldn't wait to deliver these messages because it was back in the end of November that God began to talk to me about this year. Things are happening, I'm telling you, this year in your life. I have an expectation for new things, uh, new things in your families, new things in your relationships, new things in your careers, in your finances, and in your health. I'm talking about new possibilities. Talking about new opportunities. Could anybody use a new opportunity? I'm talking about new beginnings. That sounds good to me. Does anybody need a fresh start? Come on, anybody need a redo? Uh, new ideas, new heights, and new horizons. Let, let me say it again. This year is where God is going to do new things in your life. And the operative word there, don't want you to miss it, is God. God is going to do new things in your, your life. Um, it was interesting. I came into the, the month of January 2017 like I always do, spending time uh, with, with God and just praying and seeking God concerning just really my own spiritual life for, for this year because I know this will be my best year if I'm, if I'm right spiritually. And so I begin to get my list out. You know how we do our spiritual resolutions and, and New Year's resolutions. And I begin to tell God everything that I was going to do for Him because I felt like I kind of missed it in 2016. So I begin to make promises. Okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray more <laughs> this year. Now, I know none of you did that, but, but your pastor found himself saying, Okay, God, and I'm going to read the Bible more. How many of you know that's a good thing for your pastor to do is to read the Bible? How many of you know it's a good thing for you to do too? <laughs> so so I, I begin to get my list and, uh, and, and write all the stuff that I was going to stop doing, <laughs> all the stuff that I was going to start to do, and uh, thinking in my mind that if I can do this, then God will be happy He'll be happy with me. And, um, and it was at that moment that I felt God whisper into my heart and say, how about letting me do it this year? How about letting me do it this year? Um, instead of you flexing your strength and your ability and and your willpower, let me show you my strength, my ability, my, my power, and my, my love. That, that right there is the difference between religion and Christianity. 
You see, religion is where we try to do things for God to get His favor. Christianity is where God has already done it for us. That's what Christianity is. It's not you doing something for God. It's God doing something or God having already done something for, for us. And so in my Bibles, all my Bibles, I have about three of them that I work at one time, I wrote this down in my Bible. I said this, 2017 is going to be the year that God does it. It's not going to be the year of my willpower. It's going to be the year of God's power. God is going to do the healing. God is going to do the providing. God is going to do the delivering. God is going to bring the favor. God is going to bring the amazing opportunities. God is going to give me the new ideas. God's going to give me the new possibilities. And it's not going to be based upon my willpower, but it's going to be based upon His ability and power. This is the year that God does new things. I I say all that to say that maybe you might be in the same situation where you keep trying to do it for God and God wants you to say, time out. I really would like to do it for for you. That, That addiction and that habit and that thing that you just can't get through, God would like to do it for you, that marriage that you can't fix, that marriage that you, you try so hard to make better, God is saying, I, I, I can do that for you. That financial struggle, that problem, that issue of, of lack and shortage, instead of you trying to work harder and do more and borrow more, God is saying, how about me doing that for you? God wants to do new things for you. We see this promise in the text that we've been reading all month long. I want to read it again at all of our campuses, Isaiah 43, verse 15 through 19. It's where we get the promise of God doing new things. He says, I am the Lord, your holy God. I created you, Israel. I am your king. Long ago, the Lord made a road through the sea, a path through the swirling waters. He led a mighty army to destruction, an army of chariots and horses. Down they fell, never to rise, snuffed out like the flame of a lamp. When you read those verses, you go, like, what did God just insert there? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Verse 18, but the Lord says, do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long Go, go. Notice, here's the promise. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I, I like this because God makes promise of doing new things in our lives, and He defines what those new things are. He says, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen, if you're in the wilderness, a road is a really good thing because a road will bring freedom to you. It gives you access. It gives you, it, it gives you new possibilities and new opportunities. If you're in the desert, how many of you know a river is a good thing? A river offers supply. It offers, it offers resources. It offers provision. Now, we're not just talking about rows and rivers. We're talking about what they represent. God is saying, I'm going to bring new access to you. 
I'm going to give you new possibilities. I'm going to give you new opportunities, new freedoms. God is saying, I'm going to bring new resources into your life, new supply and new provision, new rivers and new roads. Now, the first week, we talked about God's part in the new things. And you can go back and listen to all the podcasts free of charge, so there's no excuse. Get caught up on what God is saying specifically to celebration. But in the first week, when God promised new things, he, he made three declarations concerning these new things, and he gave us his part of the deal. First of all, number one, we found out that God says, I can do this. God is the creator. He is the maker. He can, he can back up what he's promised. I can do this. Number two, we found out that God says, I've done it before. How many of you know this isn't God's first rodeo? God's not, God's not panicking. God can do it. Listen, God's done it before. And number three, God says, I will do it again. And God will do it again. And God will do it again. And God will still do it again. And then the last time we talked about our part in new things. And we learned this principle. If he was with us, it's right here. You can't have new things if you're living your life for past things. All of that is, again, on our podcast. I would encourage you to get that because for me, as your pastor, this is so much more than a sermon. This is God's marching order specifically for those that call celebration their home. Today, uh, this week, I want to close this series out by talking about God's promise to trouble your trouble. God's promise to trouble your trouble. Here's my my main thought for today. Here's the big idea. I think they'll put it on the screen at all occasions. When God begins to do the new things in our lives, listen to this, God has also planned to deal with the troubling things in our lives. Hear hear me today. Hear this at all the campuses. God can trouble what has been troubling you. God can defeat what has been defeating you. God can destroy what has been trying to destroy you. I hope you're here today. God can put a stop to what has been trying to stop you. And we understand we all deal with it. The Bible says in John 10, 10 that the enemy, Satan himself, is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. You have constant opposition in your life. The devil wants to mess your marriage up. He wants to mess your finances up. He wants to mess your relationships up. He wants to mess your life up. But I'm here to tell you today that God can stop what's been trying to stop you. God can trouble what's been trying to trouble you. You, does anybody have any children that aren't serving God and you need them to serve God? I'm here to tell you, God can step into that situation and bring your kids home. I'm here to tell you, He can break that addiction over their life. Could anybody use some help today besides your pastor? I believe this is the year to expect God to put an end to the trouble that has been troubling you, an end to those financial struggles an end to the health problems, an end to the addictions, an end to the harassment, an end, somebody is going to like this, an end to the false accusations and the lies. Come on, can I get a witness at any campus? An end to those relational issues, an end to that family strife. God wants to bring an end to those postponed promises that never seem to happen. I know this might be a new concept, a new idea for so many 
at church today. But God troubling your trouble is a Bible promise. Let me show you real quick three different verses. We could spend the rest of the day just going verse after verse, but let me show you at least three of them. Exodus 23, 22, God tells his people this, but if you are careful to obey, follow all my instructions, then I, God, will be an enemy to your enemies, and I will oppose those who oppose you. Somebody ought to get excited right there. What's, uh, listen, what is opposing you, God can step in and start opposing it. What, your enemy that is harassing you, God can step in and begin to harass that harassment. Deuteronomy 28, 7, it says, the Lord, somebody shout the Lord. The Lord will defeat your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will run from you in all directions. You know what I believe is going to happen today? Your enemy is going to start running. Your trouble is going to start. You do not understand what I'm talking about. I'm talking about financial difficulties. I'm talking about health issues. I'm talking about the enemies of your life. I'm, I'm declaring over our lives today, those enemies are going to start fleeing. Those enemies are going to start running in all directions. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6 says, God will do what is right. He will give trouble to those who trouble you. Wow, that is absolutely God's promise for you. Now, I want to draw your attention back to our opening text, and I want you to notice that when God made the promise of new things, notice that God begins to remind them about what He already done. He reminds them about the parting of the Red Sea, and He reminds them about the destruction of Pharaoh's army. Let's look at it again in Isaiah 43 16. He says, long ago, the Lord made a road through the sea, a path through the swirling waters. He led a mighty army to destruction, an army of chariots and horses. Down they fell, never to rise, snuffed out, snuffed out like the flame of a lamp. When God promises new things, He takes them back and reminds them about what He's already done. Don't miss this. You've got to catch this. Notice that in verse 16, God reminds them that he's already made a road before. He made a road through the Red Sea, giving them access that they never had, giving them freedom that they never had, giving them opportunities and possibilities. Then the very next thing, catch this, verse 17, God then reminds them that it's on that same road, the very same road that he made. God stopped what had been trying to stop them. God defeated what had, tri- what, what had been trying to defeat them. God troubled what had been trying to trouble them. Here, 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 got to catch this. Don't miss this. That same road that gave them freedom is the very same road that God used to destroy their enemies. What are you trying to say? The point again, the God who will do new things in your life this year also has a plan to deal with the troubling things in your life this year. Year. When God says, I'm going to do new things, He's also planned to destroy and trouble what's been trying to destroy you. That's good news today. You know, we see this truth so clearly in, this, in the events that God reminds them about. It was, it was 700 years, and let me just kind of recap the story for you. He takes them back 700 years 
to the subject matter that all these listeners were very aware of. They were very familiar with the story. They had all grown up hearing about how their parents and their grandparents were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. In fact, you can go to the book of Exodus and you can read about, it's actually a documentary of the severe slavery and great liberation of these people out of Egypt. In fact, that's what, that's what Exodus means, to, to exit out of bondage. It means somebody's coming out. And for 400 years, the Bible says that Pharaoh put brutal slave masters masters over God's people, oppressing them with heavy burdens and severe labor, uh, forcing them to build supply cities for Pharaoh. And eventually, we know the story, right? God calls a man by the name of Moses, and he sends Moses to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And at first, Pharaoh refused. And so God begins to do what God does, the promise he's making us today. God begins to trouble their trouble. Ten plagues God sends upon Pharaoh and all of Egypt. We know all the crazy stuff. He turns all the water to blood and all the fish die and then the gnats and the flies and, and then all the livestock that, 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 that is killed and the boils that the Egyptians start to break out with. God begins to trouble their very trouble. And after the ten plagues, Pharaoh gladly changes his mind and he lets God's people go. Catch this. After 400 years of slavery, God's people are coming out. Can you just imagine what that day must have been like? They're on their way to the land that God has promised them. And after a few days, the Bible says they come up to the edge of the the Red Sea. And the Bible says that they're surrounded by wilderness. Somebody say wilderness. And all of a sudden, on the edge of the Red Sea and surrounded by wilderness, all of a sudden, they hear the sound of trouble coming again. You see, Pharaoh has changed his mind, and here he comes again. Here they come again. What they had been bound by is coming again. The reason why I slow down here and make this point is that Many of us here today at all of our campuses, we we think that the issue sometimes is resolved only to realize, doggone it, here it comes again. I thought I was over the porn issue, but here it comes again. I thought I was over the anger issue, but here it comes. I thought I was over depression, but here it comes. I didn't think I'd ever have any financial issues anymore, but here it comes again. Wow. So Pharaoh and his great army, the Bible says they're in hot pursuit with some of the fastest horses, with 600 of his best chariots and with no way out and God's people panicking on the edge of the Red Sea, this body of water and surrounded by wilderness. This is what, this is what Moses said to the people. And now we read the text, Exodus 14, 13. It says, Moses spoke to the people, don't be afraid, stand firm and watch God do his work of salvation for you today. Take a good look at the Egyptians, that's the enemy there, today, for you're never going to see them again. Do you you mean to tell me that I really could come into a place with God that I'd never see depression again? that I'd never see discouragement again, that I'd never experience a sucky marriage again, that I'd never have any financial lack again. This is God talking concerning their 
trouble. Notice what it says in verse 14. God will fight the battle for you. Somebody needs to hear it. It's some, somebody at one of our campuses, somebody needs to hear it today. I don't know what you're, fam, say, you're facing, but I'm here to tell you today, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. So with their enemy bearing down on them, God tells Moses to stretch forth his hand. And we read it here in Exodus 14, 21. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea. The Lord opened up a path through the water with the strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry land. This is crazy. This is like, this is like God's blow dryer. And he completely dries his, this, 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 this seabed. And verse 22, so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on, on dry ground with walls. Catch that walls of water on each side. Can you imagine? One million plus people. People step down into this dry seabed with, with walls of water a lot higher than, than this roof right here on both sides of them. What, what is this? This is God doing a new thing. This is God making a road in the wilderness. This is God making a way where there seems to be no way. It's important to know if they step down into that riverbed and or that, that ocean bed, the seabed, and they're, they're, they're walking. They're not running. It's a million plus people. Takes, takes all night, hours to get across where they crossed. And they're, they're not able to run because, because they have their families with them. They have their babies. They have their children. They have their, their, their grandchildren. Troubles chasing them but they just kept on walking. The reason why I bring that, that point is, is that some things you can't escape. I, I know you'd like to. I know you would like for that lawsuit to go away. I know you would like for that issue to go away, but some things you just have to walk through. I'm not sure who your Pharaoh is today or what is troubling you, but this is what I do know. Some things you just have to walk out. Sometimes you just got to keep on serving God. Sometimes you just got to keep on singing that praise when you don't feel like singing that praise or that song. You just got to keep on trusting God and you got to keep on believing God. You got to keep showing up on Sundays. Come on, you just got to keep walking things. Some of you wanted to go, go, to go away so bad, but I'm here to tell you some things you just got to walk your way through. Some things you've got to serve your way through. Some things you've got to praise your way through. So they're walking, and Pharaoh is gaining ground on them. Can, can you imagine? I bet for God's people, it doesn't feel like God's going to deliver them, but, but God all along, I like this, was kind of setting the enemy up. You see, God needed them to get in position. They're gaining ground on God's people, but God didn't see that as as them gaining ground. God was actually trying to get them in position so that he could destroy them, so that he could trouble their trouble. Some of you feel like the enemy's gaining ground on you. God sees it completely different. Come on, God's getting your enemy in position so that he can do away with your enemy. You see, God did not want these people to spend the next 400 years worrying about their past 400 
years. So the enemy is gaining on them. And as God's people, the Bible said, are coming out of that Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is going down into that seabed, into that Red Sea. And the Bible says that Pharaoh's chariots begin to fall apart. You've got to catch this. Notice it in Scripture, Exodus 14, verse 23. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them in the midst of the sea. And now it came to pass that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians. That's the enemy. Notice, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. God troubled the enemy. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they could hardly move. And then the Egyptians shouted, let's get out of here. The Lord is fighting for Israel. I hear poverty saying, I got to get out of here. Come on. I, I, hear, I hear stress saying, I got to get out of here. I hear discouragement say, I, I hear cancer saying, I got to. Come on. I wish somebody helped me preach today. Come on, I hear the enemy saying, hey, we got to get out of here. We're not fighting them. We're fighting God Almighty. I'm here to tell somebody, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord is fighting for Israel. He's against us. So here is the enemy. They're coming out. They're coming in for the kill. And all of a sudden, their things start breaking down. And it's at that moment God then tells Moses, once again, to raise his hand, and we read it in verse 27. Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the waters rushed back into its usual place. And then the waters returned and covered all the chariots, the entire army of Pharaoh. Wow. The entire army of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea, not a single one survived. All that cancer, all that stress. All that frustration. Again, I, I went through all of that. I, I hope you're listening today. I, I went through that whole story to again show you the same road that gave them freedom is the same road that God used to destroy their enemy. Here's the whole point. Here is the main thing of this teaching today. The new things that God is getting ready to do in your life is not only going to bring freedom and access and opportunity, but I'm here to tell you it's going to stop what has been trying to stop you. It's going to destroy what is trying to destroy you. It's going to trouble. I'm preaching better than your shout. Somebody ought to get excited. Come on, does anybody have faith for God to show up and begin to trouble what's been troubling them? Can, can I help you just a moment? You have to release faith for this to work in your life. And one of the signs of faith is excitement and expectation. So you're probably not going to get this going like this. But if you'll say, now this is the best thing I've heard all week. God, I believe that you can show up and trouble my... God, I need your help in my life. Come on, here in 2017, I declare God is doing new things. What does that mean? It means it's bringing you freedom and it's bringing a destruction to the harassment that's been chasing your life. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise at all of our campuses. Woo! Glory. So I guess, I guess as we close today... <laughs> There's the million-dollar question. How, how, do I, 
how do I get God to do this for me? What is it that caused God to do it for them? What caused God to show up and begin to trouble their trouble? What was it that caused God to show up in their life and do new things in their life? I'm so glad you sent the memo and asked the question because I've got the answer. How many of you would like to know the answer of how to get God to show up and do some new things, how to get God to show up and trouble what's been troubling you? We find it right here in Exodus. It's in the very beginning of the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23, it says the Israelites still groaned. This is before God ever showed up and started troubling. This is how it all started out. The Israelites still groaned because they were slaves. And so they kept their mouth shut, went to work, and just tried to fight through themselves. That's not what it says. So they cried out. And their cries for help went up to God. You, you just can't sit there today and like this and be all religious like you did some religious duty by coming to church today and expect God to show up and do new things in your life and trouble your enemies. You're going to have to do what they did. Enough is enough. I can't do this by myself. God, I need your help. When's the last time you cried out, God, I need your help? Or you've been just trying to get another loan, another job, another husband. He's going to get fat just like the other one. He's going to be lazy just like the other one. He's going to sit on his butt just like the other one. Come on. Huh? I'll fix my I'll just give me a new wife. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hmm? We, we, we're good at trying to fix our problems, aren't we? we? We're good at trying to make 2017 a great year. But I'm here to tell you, how do we get God's involvement? We've got to cry out. We've got to come to the end of ourselves saying, I can't fix this. I can't do this. I can't solve this. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I, I'm not good enough. God, I need your help. Yeah. Have you ever said that? Have you ever asked that? You, you, know, you know what you're saying by being at church today? You're saying, God, I need your help. Are you listening, Fresno, Madeira? You know what we're saying by showing up Wednesday night? We're saying, God, we need your... I wish, I wish you would shout better this morning. Help me know that I'm doing something to help somebody. Come on, is this helping anybody? Well, what happens when you bring your offerings and tithing and bl- You're saying, God, I need your help. I need your help. I need... That's all they did. They just began to cry out to God. And and Acts 7, recounting the story, says this, I've seen the troubles. God says, I've seen the troubles of my people have suffered in Egypt. I've heard their cries and have come down to to save them. So it's it's not rocket scientists. It's it's just, God, I need your help. We need to be be a people who cry out. I, I think here's where we'll close today. Here's the question we all need to consider in our own lives. It's found in Psalms, Psalms 34, 17. I think it's interesting that this is in our Bibles. Is anyone crying for help? God is listening. 
and he's ready to rescue. But perhaps I'm so busy with work and so busy investing and so busy doing and so busy trying to fix it myself, so busy with my list. God, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to fast more. I'm going to do more. And God is saying, hey, how about letting me do it for you this year? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And all of our kids, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. You stop clapping. Come on, keep clapping at all of our campuses. I, I believe God is saying that. I really do believe God is saying this. I know this is the first service, but I believe God is saying this. Hey, Randy, how about letting me do it this year? Instead of getting my list out of what I'm going to do for God, I'm just going to let God do it. Do it for me. <laughs> I have more, but I don't know if you could take it. I do have two minutes. At all of our campuses, I got two minutes. Can, can I? Let, let me close with just this thought then. It's hard when you study 100 plus hours and try to give it in 30 minutes. I'm so glad you're here today. Come on, at all of our campuses, get ready. 2017 is a year of new things. Come on, God is doing new things in your marriage, new things in your home, new things in your finances. Favor like you've never seen it before. Come on, could anybody use some of God's favor? There's a passage in the Bible that I'm sure most of you have never thought about or ever read. It's in the book of Zechariah. God shows Zechariah a vision. It's a powerful, powerful vision. And God shows Zechariah this vision of Joshua, who is the high priest at that time. And he shows that Joshua has dirty clothes on. And the dirty clothes represents the sin and the failures of Joshua's life. And in this vision, Satan comes Zechariah chapter 2 there. Satan comes and begins to accuse Joshua. He says, Joshua, you're a loser. Look at you dirty. Your life full of sin. Mocking him about his failures and all the things that he's done wrong. I I know what you did last night. I know what you looked at last night. I I know what you did yesterday. I know what you did. And And Satan just badgered him. Mocking him. Accusing him. But in this vision that God gave Zechariah, God then shows up. Oh, here today. God shows up and he says this in Zechariah 3.2. The Lord said, notice it's not Zechariah saying, it's not Joshua saying. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Here the devil came. Here the devil came to harass Joshua, and God said, enough is enough. And God showed up and started troubling what was troubling Joshua. Well, the enemy had every right to harass Joshua. He had dirty clothes on. He was a man of sin. He was a man of failures. He had made mistakes, and the enemy was accusing him. But God shows up and says, enough, here it is enough, Satan the Lord rebuke you. And if you, if you read the rest in this vision, here's what's powerful. I got to stop. Here's what's powerful in the vision. 
God then tells the angel to take his dirty clothes off and to put clean clothes on him. It's a picture of salvation. God takes our failure. God takes our sin. God takes our mistakes. He takes those dirty things off of our life. And he clothes us with a robe of righteousness. And then he stands there. And he declares over your adversary, over your enemy, Satan, the Lord, rebuke you. I'm here to tell you, God will trouble your trouble. God will stop what's been trying to stop you. Come on, I preach myself happy. You received that today. You know what? When I, I, I came into that a couple weeks ago, I, I, you ask my wife everywhere I go. Here's, here's, here's my prayer. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I start hearing his lies. Oh, you're not going to mount another. You're not going to do it. You're not going to be able to. You know what you did yesterday. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. It just takes it up to a whole. I received my clean clothes and Satan, the Lord Somebody needs to practice that with me. And all of our can Say this. Say, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Come on, say it again. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I'm just here to tell you God will fight your battles for you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads at all of our campuses. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, hey, pastor, I'm that guy with dirty clothes. I'm that guy that has sin in my life. I'm living with the failures and the harassments of, of, my, of my past. The good news today is the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the moment you give him control of your life is the moment he puts new clothes on you. He gives you a robe of righteousness. It's just as if you had never have sinned before. And not only that, he will come to your defense and he'll start troubling that which is troubling you. And I'm just here at all of our campuses. I believe there's probably many at all of our campuses today. You're ready to make that commitment. You're tired of those dirty clothes. You're ready to call upon the name of the Lord. You're ready to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth. Or you might be saying, Pastor, I did that at one time, but to be honest with you, I'm just not serving God. I need to rededicate my life. I'm here to tell you, whether it be, be for the first time or the hundredth time, God's got an ear and he's listening today. And if you'll cry out, he'll come and put clean clothes on you. You can't do life by yourself. You need God's help. And Clovis and Madeira and Fresno, if that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus. You want to make sure things are right with you. You need the new clothes. You needed to come in and forgive you of your sins and of your, your failures. If that's you, would you just raise your hand here in Clovis, there in Fresno? My dear hands going up everywhere in every section. Yes. See, God sees that hand. That's the reason why I have you raise it, because you need to get involved. All of our campuses' hands are going up. You can put those hands down. I, I, want, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Those that lifted their hands or should have lifted their hands. Those that need to give their life to Jesus. Say, say Father God. Come on, say it out loud. Say, Father God, today I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Put clean clothes on me. Today, with your help, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At all of our locations, 
campus pastors are going to come in just a moment. Before you leave, I'm going to pray a prayer. And we're going to release our faith for God to do it this year. I, I don't know if that helps anybody, but I'm telling you, when God said that in the beginning of January, it changed everything that I was doing in January. Anything that could be legalistic, I just, I just put it down because I'm kind of like that. I can get very religious and very legalistic and try to, try to gain God's approval by doing things. It's just my upbringing. But I hear God saying to celebration, hey, how about if I do it for you this year? So to all of our campuses, I'm going to pray for you. And the campus, campus pastors are going to come back, and they're going to close out the service. God bless you all. We love you at all of our campuses. Father, today we just open up our hearts, and we do, God, like they did. We just cry out, and we ask you for, for help. God, help us. God, we need new things this year. God, we need new opportunities and new possibilities. God, we need access and we need freedom. God, and we need deliverance from those things that have been chasing us and harassing us. And God, I pray that this would be the day that God, the enemies of our life, that God, that they die, that they stop and we see them no more, whether they be addictions or whether it be the struggle with depression and oppression, maybe they, whether they be financial difficulties, family issues. God, whatever it is, I pray, God, that you would execute judgment and begin to stop what has been trying to stop us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This podcast and amen. is presented Once again, to you by on, Pastor Clovis. Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.